addict. Um, every time I was able to get a loan, I was doing drugs. I've been to prison four times, twice in the state, twice in the fed. I was doing all this crazy stuff, cooking drugs and just staying high. God called me from a prison cell. I was a homeless drug addict, and my hope was found in a needle. I was eight months pregnant, homeless, um, living out of my van. You know, it wasn't Freeway that saved me, it wasn't John Stroop that saved me, but God uses Freeway in such a mighty way as a tool to reach these people. There's not a community or a county in America that doesn't have a drug problem. And the, the church has the answer, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to part two. Welcome to part two of our podcast. Um, we have Mike Simons on with us today. Mike, welcome. Thank you. We just finished part one, and we were just talking about how we could continue part two and three and four. I mean, Mike has a powerful story, and I feel like God has just really worked uh, through the podcast today. But if you haven't caught part, part one or you haven't tuned in to Freeway Ministries, One Broken Life, I just want to let you know that this is a production of Freeway Ministries, One Broken Life podcast. Uh, we want to ex explore the unique, uh, diverse lives of people who come from uh, addiction and crime and just show uh, how God rescues people from the pit and how uh, many times the bigger the mess, the bigger the message. And, and Mike is somebody who's had a great big mess. I mean, you, you, if you haven't watched part one, just stop the, stop what you're doing, go back, watch part one, um, and listen to part one. If you're on Spotify, if you're on Apple, um, if you're on YouTube, whatever you're using right now, uh, watch part one, and you'll kind of understand where we're at right now in the podcast. And so, what a story, Mike! Uh, what a what a what darkness you were in. Um, the theme, kind of the theme verse for our podcast, is uh, Psalm fifty one seventeen, and he speaks about the psalmist David speaks about the sacrifices of God. He says the sacrifices of God are are broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, these things you will not despise. And so I think it's interesting, even if you read the Bible and you see how God uses broken things all through the Bible, right? And so your life was broken, Mike. You were 30-something years in drugs. You're 50 years old today, right? In your yes. 50s. We'll just say 50. That's okay. better, right? 50. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're in your 50s. Um, you have a past of, of being incarcerated five times. Um, you were an IV user. All your veins have been collapsed from IV using meth from your toes to your neck. Um, dad committed suicide. Girlfriend died. We believe, you believe, from result of using IV, uh, injecting in her neck and the jugglers, what you think maybe probably caused that. Um, a good possibility. Best friend blew his brains out. Your drug buddy. Um, you're a mess. Your life's a mess. Wife left you. She's gone. She, so to your surprise, can live without you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so here you are. So let's talk about the, the, the time where you're broken, 
Uh, you came through the Freeway Ministries Discipleship Program. If you don't know what that is, you can go to our website at freeway-ministries.com. We have uh, recovery homes. Uh, they're not halfway houses because God doesn't do anything halfway. We're a one-year-long discipleship program for men and women who want to learn how to live Christ-centered lives. They want to apply the Word of God to their lives, live it out, because we believe that addiction is not the problem. Addiction is what you see. Once you get to the problem, which is the issues of the heart, you begin to apply the Word of God to your life in every area intimately in your life. The addiction gets dealt with. And so we're a home plan for every prison in Missouri. We're an alternative in prison for seven counties in the state of Missouri. Uh, we There's one in Omaha, Nebraska. There's five in southern Missouri. There's um, there's one in um, Rapid City, South Dakota. And so you get an application. Tell me about this, Mike. So, so here you are. You're in prison for the fifth time. So what's where are you at, man? You're... You're locked up. You're in prison. So where did the change happen? How come you? How long have you been out of prison? I got out in uh, May second of 2018. So you've been out of prison almost three years. So when you started going to prison, how long had you stayed out before you went back? I would usually uh, be out for 30 days, maybe 60 days at the most. So something happened to you, right? Yeah. Um, so what happened, Mike? I mean. What was different this time? Well, when I first got back to, when I first got to prison, uh, I was just, uh, you know, I look back at it now and God had been, he, the end of the road, the end of that was coming. I mean, I was uh, becoming more and more broken uh, each time I would go back to prison. And, and so I made it back uh, to prison and I remember uh, just feeling alone, uh, broken, uh, my relationships with my family, they had uh, uh, just felt like they had given up on me. Uh, they didn't want anything to do with me. Uh, I didn't have any friends, didn't have anybody. Uh, and I was there, I was alone. And I just remember thinking, uh, it's time to go back into jail mode. Uh, and that's just, uh, that jail mode is survival mode. It's where you harden your heart and uh, you don't let anybody anybody hurt you. And uh, so I thought that's what I had to do. I have to go into jail mode. Uh, you know, I have to make it through this bit so, somehow, uh, however, or any way I can. And so in my mind, I, I, I hated everybody there. I didn't want nothing to do with anyone there. I didn't know anybody. and They weren't my friends. And, and I was just going to stay away from everyone uh, and work out and just get through it. And... Uh, so I went through, uh, I, I started working out. That's what I started doing. And uh, I remember being in Algoa, and I, and I was working out with this guy. His name was Steve, and uh, he was uh, he used to be a Marine, and, and uh, he was just huge, you know. And I, I seen him in the gym, and I was like, how, how did you get that way? You know, I had questions for him. And, and so I, I just started talking to him, and, and he, I started working out with him. And, and on the way back to the housing unit, he uh, asked me if I had a Bible. And... Uh, Going in this last time, I had no intentions of following God, praying to God, asking God for help. I, you know, going to church, uh, I had no intentions of doing any of that. Uh, and he asked me if I had a Bible. And uh, I did have a Bible, and he referred me to a Bible verse. And uh, when I got back to the housing unit, I uh, looked that Bible verse up. And, and uh, I, I thank God for, for that guy, uh, for 
I learned a lesson in all that and that he all he did was refer me to a Bible verse. He asked me a simple question, do you have a Bible? And he asked and he referred me to a Bible verse. And that literally changed the course of my life. Uh, that I, I totally took a went into, went on to a different path at that point. Uh, that began uh, the day that I, I started reading my Bible. And uh, I remember every time I would go back to my cell, the first thing I would do would sit down and swing my locker open and grab my Bible, and I would, I would start reading. And uh, I read the Bible in 10 months from cover to cover. And uh, so the, the lesson that I learned in that was that uh, you never know, you know, uh, the impact that you're going to have uh, on someone by just sharing a Bible verse or uh, referring them to, to God's Word. Uh, you know, the, the Word being a, a living Word and being powerful and, and all that, it, it started to, I started to understand, I understand today what that meant, you know, what it means. Uh, and so today I read, I read God's every word. It's a rule at Freeway Ministries, and, and it was a rule for me in the beginning, but uh, uh, little did I know uh, Freeway Ministries was was uh it's one of the most loving things anyone's ever said to me is is you have to be in your bible every day uh it's it's literally like oxygen for me today i can't live without god's word uh it's uh it's this new passion this new uh purpose that i have uh so getting getting back to the prison i I, so i started reading my bible i started going to the chapel uh and i would go to the chapel and uh, there would be these uh people that would come in uh, once a week and uh, they were coming in with these testimonies talking about how they were where I was and uh, they would be talking about all the things that I had been through and and they had been through those things and how they had surrendered their life to Christ and and they were coming in there with smiles on their face and they were there every week they never missed a week even if there were snow on the ground they were there and uh, I was just uh, I remember thinking man these guys are, uh, they are, uh, they're special, man. They were special to me. Uh, they were just, uh, their testimonies uh, were powerful. And so I, I couldn't wait to get back into the chapel. Every Friday I would go in, uh, sing for the king, which would come, and and uh, we would just pack the chapel full, and, and we would just sing out to the Lord. And, and uh, I remember the day, remember hearing uh, Johnny, uh, Johnny Allen talk about uh, the day that he went to the altar and he knelt down at the altar and he cried out to the Lord and, and he, he surrendered his life to Christ. And uh, the day that I was in the chapel, I, I knew that uh, it was time. I knew that that's what I needed to do. And uh, so I went, to the, I went to the altar and I got down on my knees and I just looked up and I remember just saying, God, I'm done can't do it anymore you know I was, I was uh for the first time in my life I was willing to surrender totally completely to him whatever whatever you know I didn't hold on to this idea that I could still have this dysfunctional relationship as long as I didn't use drugs or or that I could you know drink as long as I didn't do meth or I mean I always had all these ideas and I always held on to something you know, I never would completely let go and this was the first time in my life that I completely surrendered and uh that began. That was that was when my walk with Christ began. Amen. So, so, you surrendered all to Him. You know, I remember when I gave my life to Christ. I don't remember the prayer exactly, but I can tell you, resounding. 
uh, at that time and throughout my prison sentence, it was use me like the dope, the dope used me. And so for a guy to, to pray that prayer, you know, for full surrender, because you were fully surrendered to meth. I mean, you don't yeah. shoot meth. You don't get a needle and stick it in between your toes and in your neck and, you know, to get something if you're not surrendered to it. And so that's why I say drug addicts make great Christians, you know, because we know what it's like to be sold out. We know what it's like to be under control of something. You know, we, we give ourselves to something. And, uh, and then we get that purpose in our lives, you know, and we've not had it. But once we realize that we have a purpose now, something we've missed our whole lives, man, you know, it, it's over with. And so um, here you are. You're saved now. You, you got the door coming open in prison. You know you're not going to be there long. Probably a PV, for those listening, doesn't understand what that is. Parole, parole violation. Most likely that's what happened. You didn't get a new case. You violated your parole again. You got to go back and do a little bit of time and come back out, kind of like time out. Mm -hmm. And so you know it's your fifth time down in prison. So you know it's coming. You're going to get out again. So what's next for you, Mike? Uh, what are you going to do now? How's this? How's How do you apply for freeway? You know, I know your story, but they don't. So tell us about that. So... At this point, I know that something is different. Uh, my mom is starting to answer the phone. My sister, sisters are starting to answer the phone uh, when I'd call, and I'd start telling them about what was going on in my life and, and inside and how I was surrendered to the Lord. And And they, they probably had heard this before. Uh, I'm sure they had heard this before, uh, all these, these ideas of how I was going to change. And and, uh, but I talked to my mom today, and she said, it, it, just here the other day, she said, I, I knew something was different. I could tell uh, just by the sound of your voice that uh, I was hearing something I'd never heard before out of you. And so that was the Holy Spirit was in me. And, and one of the things that happened to me uh, that, that just like I knew it was different was uh, this instance happened to me that I, I really couldn't explain what was going on. I, I didn't ask for this or didn't pre-plan this or but they had a service one night for uh, inmates to grieve if you've been in prison and you've lost someone that's died and you weren't able to go to the funeral or if you were out there uh, out in the world and someone died and you were so into your addiction that you didn't get to grieve them then this is a night for you to come and grieve and so I thought well you know I mean I've lost my girlfriend my dad's committed suicide I've, my best friend you know just I just want to go to the service just to make sure that I'm not holding on to something uh, that I need to let go of and, and maybe I need to grieve. Uh, and so I went to this service and, and I found myself grieving, not only grieving, but I found myself weeping and sobbing. Uh, and it was just, it caught me off guard. It really did because the reason I was weeping and sobbing, I, I actually, I was grieving, but I was grieving over uh, what Jesus did on the cross for me. Uh, the, the, uh, the pain that he went through, uh, just uh, just the wounds, the scars, just every, you know, I I thought of everything that he, the, well, everything he went through on the cross, and it broke my heart uh, uh, that he would that he would do that uh, for me, and so I went up and I talked to uh, uh, the pastor, and he just smiled, you know, and I still remember that today, and it was like a smile that was like, okay, you you understand now, and. And so for me, that's when I, the first time that I really understood, I started uh, uh, paying attention to Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. And, 
And uh, that's when the gospel started really meaning something to me. And so uh, I'm getting ready to get out. I'd already been exposed to freeway. Uh, like you said, I was in another program uh, before I got locked up the last time, but I had been coming to Freeway, and uh, I heard you preach, and uh, I felt it. Uh, I would go on Saturday nights, and every time I would go and I would hear you preach, I mean, tears would just, I would feel the Holy Spirit, and tears would just roll down my face. I mean, I would just, like, cry uncontrollably. And, you know, it was a bit embarrassing at, at the time. I, I didn't know what was going on, couldn't figure out why I was so emotional. Uh, but here I was in a gym, gymnasium full of people. There's like 500 people, 300, four, 500 people. And, and these were all people like me. These were all people that had backgrounds like I was. And, and so there was just something special about uh, Freeway Ministries. Uh, I was drawn to it. Uh, I had to go back out one last time. Uh, I went to prison, and when, when I got, uh, got ready, to, they got ready to let me out, I I was looking for a home plan, and uh, I looked through, uh, and it didn't take me long, and Freeway Ministries come up, and I was like, that's, that's, that's where I want to go is, is to Freeway Ministries, because I'd even uh, thought about uh, leaving the program that I was in before and trying to get into Freeway, but uh, I wasn't ready, and I think, I think you knew that at that time, and uh, I, I remember you uh, just talking to me. You know, and and I can remember, uh, I can remember you making uh, comments that I, I I was holding on to stuff, you know, and and that I wasn't really, uh, I wasn't ready yet, you know, and, and I didn't understand at that point. But uh, when I uh, come out to Freeway Ministries, uh, I'm still in the back of my mind. I'm still. I've been through this so many times in my life. You know, I've been gotten out of jail, gotten out of treatment, gonna get better. Had all these intentions started praying started you know god was working in my life and and then i you know so i kind of in the back of my mind i'm expecting you know the same thing to happen again that's all i know but i got to freeway ministries i got to the ranch out in marshfield uh, and i remember the day that i got there i was just overwhelmed at uh the people and i remember uh, the house leader at that time i uh, walked in and the, his first words to me were we love jesus around here and uh, i'm like okay uh you know and i didn't it i say that a lot of times to the new guys that come into the program now because i remember the effect that it had on me it just set the tone it's like we love jesus and uh so i got there and everybody was just uh on fire for the lord uh everybody in the house was in their bible uh everyone in the house was uh you know serving in the ministry uh and uh, I just, uh, it was some, there was something different about it for me. Freeway Ministries, they, uh, here, here was somebody that cared enough about me to hold me accountable for one thing, and, which I had never really been exposed to before, uh, where someone would hold me accountable out of love. You know, I was raised with this snitch code, you know, where you don't, uh, you don't tell on people. And, uh, but that wasn't going on here at, at the house in Freeway Ministries. It was like people didn't let you do things that were harmful, you know, that might cause you to go back out and relapse and lose your life. And so we were, we were holding each other accountable, and it, it was something different about the program. And Men don't like men. Tell them what to do. Right. And we talk about, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but, you know, we talk about addressing things in love, speak the truth in love. It's in the scripture. Um, the church 
as a whole, really, do, do, really, really don't see a lot of men pulling men aside and addressing them. But we address issues. And so we follow the Bible. And so whenever you're doing something that does not honor God or is against the covenant you made when you signed a contract to come into freeway, you get addressed. Yep. And the Bible says um, if you correct a wise man, he'll be even wiser. But if you correct a fool, he'll hate you for it. And you can tell a lot about a man by how he handles correction. And so correction, as you begin to get a correction corrected, it grew you because you responded right to it, you know. And so, anyways, I wanted to add that. But So here you are. You're in the house. Um, people are holding you accountable. They're getting in your business, right, uh, calling you out on your junk. Um, so let's continue to talk about, about that transition. Um, so now you're going to get plugged into a church, right? Yes. Okay. So you're, you're, you're the new guy and you're, you're trying to adjust to society. What is that transition like, Mike? Um, for those that don't know, you're, you're coming from a prison. Not only are you getting released into society, but you're getting released into a Christ-centered environment to where you have to get up early, read your Bibles every day. You, you get to, but you also have to. You don't have a choice. If you don't, you're going to get in trouble. Uh, you're going to get plugged into a church. You're going to serve. Uh, you're expected not just to be sober. Sobriety is not success. All right? Sobriety is part of success. You can't, you can't leave that out. But um, it's more than being sober. So a lot of programs, sobriety is success. That's not us. Being a fully obedient follower of Christ is success. So following Christ in discipleship, the principles and disciplines found in his word. Um, and so you're living this out. It's like a shell shock, right? So tell us about that transition uh, into society, into your home church. Uh, what's, that, what's that like, Mike? Your first week, you're out. You're, you're adjusting. What's that like? Well, God really started started speaking to my heart uh, early on in in the program, and that uh, I understood uh, in in a sense what was going on. Uh, uh, whenever I would pray, you know, God, please help me. Uh, you know, show me how to do Your will. Show me what Your will is. You know, guide me, give me strength. All these things that I was praying for, uh, He was putting people in my life. Uh, I would I would say those prayers, and then He would put. Uh, He'd already put you in my life, and he put Casey in my life, and there's just, there's too many people, there's too many to, to number, I mean, uh, to name them all. There's uh, Alan Greenfield, uh, the guy that discipled me, and my pastor, Jeff Mann, and Max and Carol Hartman, and, and there's just a lot of people that uh, he put into my life, and, and I, didn't ha I didn't question uh, what was going on. I knew what was going on, and it's like God is answering my prayers. And... Uh, these people weren't judging us. They weren't looking down on us. Uh, they were just loving us with, with everything in them. You know, they were like just so glad that we were there and uh, they were just pouring into us. And uh, it was just so different from what I'd ever experienced in my life. Uh, I'd always had this hypocritical view of the church uh, and that they're going to look down on me. And, you know, I'd always been used to carrying so much shame and guilt uh, and thought that I was a worthless, no good person, a drug addict is what I, I had been called my entire life. And I, I called myself that, you know, for my whole life. I introduced myself as, uh, hi, my name is Mike and I'm a drug addict. You know, every time I would go to an AA or NA meeting, which I've been to literally, I don't know, I have 
thousands and thousands of those meetings. And so I, I submitted to the idea that I'm, I was a sick person with an illness that I could never get rid of. And these people were telling me, no, that's not the case. You know, you are, uh, you are a child of God, and, and we love you, and Jesus loves you. And, then, and so they're just telling me, and they're, they're just like going out of their way to get to me, you know, uh, when, when, uh, when we would show up to church. You know, they would go out of their way to come and, and give me a hug and, and say hi and, and reach their hands out and shake my hands and give me a smile. And, and uh, I learned from that. You know, I, I try to do that today. You know, these new guys that are coming, I try to do that because I understand that that might just be the very thing that, that uh, has them show up again the next week. And so I started learning from these people that God put, put in my life, Amen. Uh, these church members, and I and, uh, started looking forward to, to church, and I started enjoying going to church. And, and uh, so I, I had no idea at that time that, or even when I was in prison or coming out, that I would soon be in love with a church, a, a church body. And uh, today I couldn't imagine my life without Crossbridge Baptist Church and, and that church body. It's just, uh, it, it, would, uh, it would be like a, a big hole, like, I mean, this big thing missing from my life. I didn't have my church, you know, my family, my place to serve. Uh, so it, uh, it, it quickly, you know, it, it wasn't always easy. You know, there was times when discipline would come and, and uh, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't know how to take discipline. Uh, but somehow God, uh, he, he gave me the strength to, to take it, you know, and to not quit. Uh, because every time I got, uh, in my life, every time before when I would get disciplined, uh, my instinct was to run, you know, I'll turn and walk away. I don't have to be here. I'm gone. I'm out of here. And for some reason I wasn't doing that this time. Uh, you know, and I understand today that God has a plan for me today. There's, I shouldn't be here. You know, I've been run over by cars and I've, I've, everything I've been through, I shouldn't be here today. And so I know that God has a plan for me. And, and so I'm in the church and, and, uh, you know, I make it to the, I made it through, through the one year. So you graduate the program, uh, you become assistant house leader, right? Yes. Okay. And so you leave the program and then I called you. We have a second stage home. Uh, next to the house in Marshville where we can hold 16 men in a big house. And people are listening and thinking, man, that's a lot of guys. Well, it's a really, really big house. I don't think they realize how big it is. And so it's a very large home um, with plenty of room. You could actually put more than 16 if you wanted to, but that's our limit there. We don't want to go over that. But um, So I called you and I asked if you would like to come on staff. Um, and it kind of – I've heard you say this before, but – when I ask you what you want to do for your, your – what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Uh, when did it come to the point – because you're out of the program. You're moved out of the house. You're still plugged in. You're going to church. You're reading your Bible. You're serving the Lord. You're involved in ministry. So when did it come to the realization that this is what you want to do with the rest of your life, ministry? It took about probably three months after I graduated. Uh, I left I left the ranch uh, and I went to uh, stay in a, uh, my disciples, a house that he had bought with the same idea of the second stage deal. And I went and stayed there, and I was staying with another guy that I had went through the program with and had graduated. And, and at that time, I was just trying to do the same thing that I, I didn't want to change anything. Uh, I was afraid that if I did something different uh, that you know, 
know, the same thing that's always happened in the past could have happened. So I continued to go to church. Uh, I continued in discipleship. Uh, I continued to go every time the freeway was open, I was there. Every time the church was open, I was there. Uh, I was in my Bible the same way I was at the house. So I really didn't change anything, but I still didn't know for sure what I wanted to do. Uh, when people would ask me that, I would say, I don't know. Uh, but I can tell you what I don't want to do. Uh, and I don't want to go back to where I came from. Uh, and uh, there's one thing that I do know I want to do, and that's to be a part of Freeway Ministries. I feel like I owe, you know, I'm, I'm, I owe my life to this program. You know, I know it's God uh, that's been working in my life, but Freeway has just, uh, for what for what Freeway means to me and what they did for me, uh, you know, I, I, I could I, I could do be a part of it for the next hundred years if God would allow me to. So I knew I wanted to be a part of Freeway. And uh, he, he opened that door for me when I when I received that phone call from you. Uh, I think that at that point was when I knew, yeah, this is what I want to do. You know, I just want to be a part of Freeway, and I want to be a part of my church, and and just serve the Lord. Amen. So you you accept a position uh, part time, a free place to stay, overseeing the ranch. You got your own house to live in uh, with a couple beds to share. Uh, a couple bedrooms for others that are going to the next stage after they graduate the program. Um, and so before we kind of make that transition into what's what's continuing to happen, uh, I, I just want to talk about just for a minute. We don't have a, a lot of time, and unfortunately I didn't look at the clock when we started, so I don't know how long we've been going, but that's fine. Praise the Lord. Uh, we'll go till we go. But your son, one of the things that you mentioned before, you know, when you first got out of prison was your son didn't want anything to do with you. And, uh, you know, your mom and your, your sisters and stuff, your sister is the one that called me about you um, getting in the program. And so she actually helped you a lot to get in and did some work for you out here, I think. But um, so why don't we talk about that relationship with your family? Uh, so uh, your, your full-time ministry, um, you... You're you're living in the you're living on the ranch, overseeing the property, kind of keeping an eye on things. You do a lot of stuff for us. Um, so, before we go into kind of that next step, tell us about how God has restored your family, your mom. Uh, what's that relationship like? Your sisters. Uh, within five minutes, your 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 son. Tell us about that. Well, God's grace and mercy is just amazes me on a daily basis uh, that he would uh, just enlighten me, just open my eyes to uh, my family and what they what they mean to me and, and how important they are to me. Because for so many years, uh, they, they had to ask the question, why is doing drugs more important than, than we are? Uh, there would be times when I would miss Christmas. I, w- I would miss Christmas. I would rather rather get high than spend Christmas with them. Or, or you know, I just, uh, there. I ran. I tried to run at one point in my life. Uh, things had gotten so bad that I'm just going to go somewhere else and start over. And so I was uh, prepared to abandon my family and my son and everyone and just go start over somewhere else. And so that's what I tried to do. And so I went down to Texas, and I made it a year down there, uh, before my grandmother died and I had to come back 
but I remember uh, when I finally came back, I remember my sister uh, telling me, she said that uh, I have literally uh, not just cried, I have weeped and sobbed and just uncontrollably at some point in the day, every single day since you've been gone. And, and I had no idea that someone, anybody in this world actually cared that much for me. Uh, and once I realized that uh, she, she really cared for me that much and that there were people that uh, were in my life that cared for me unconditionally, and it was my family, it was my mom. And I remember picking my son up for the first time, and he wasn't very old. He was standing in the seat beside me, and, and he could just tell I was so ate up with so much guilt and shame, and I was just so uh, – I was just a mess when I picked him up because I felt so bad that uh, I could be – you know, I could do something like that, and I remember he wasn't very old. He could stand up in the seat beside me, and uh, and he said, uh, I didn't even say anything. He looked over at me, and he said, Dad, don't worry. The only thing that matters is that we're together now. And so at that point, every, everything went away. I mean, it just all that stress, all that anxiety, everything, all the bad feelings went away, and and I, uh, so he became important to me, and and so I would continue on in my addiction uh, for a while after that, but uh, the shame and the guilt of, of that, uh, you know, putting putting other things first before my family, uh, it kept building, kept building up. And uh, my mom, she would cry all the time, you know, and and uh, she she would tell me this. She wouldn't tell me uh, while I was using, but she would tell me afterwards uh, that she would cry and uh, she she knew what I was doing and. And uh, so, yeah, I just, uh, my family, uh, it tore me up that I was really doing what, uh, doing to my family what I was doing to them, but not so much to the point where it, it would stop me from getting high so, in my addiction. So now, so let's, this is, I don't know if I've miscommunicated, but so I, w I want you just to briefly talk about now, like how God has restored that. Uh, your son, your son was bitter towards you, and your mom and your sisters, your relationship. And now, what about right now, Mike? What, what's that relationship like with him now? Well, my son had told me that you've done it this time. It's it. It's over. I've heard it too many times. I've, I'm, I'm done with you. You're like don't exist to me anymore. So don't ever try to call me again. Don't try to get hold of me. I don't want to talk to you. Leave me alone. And so. Uh, that's that's where we were uh, and then uh, so but God opened that door uh, you know God softened his heart and uh, there's I've, I've, I've caused damage you know there's damage that I've caused uh, over his life that uh, you know he has to carry uh, that he has but he has softened uh, his heart to the point where he he will he finally said you know what he said I, I forgive you uh, I'm, I'm letting go of all that stuff, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I can call him and talk to him. I can go see him, and, and we have a relationship now. Uh, my mom uh, and my sisters, I call them or text them every single day. Uh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't uh, call them or text them and tell them that I love them. Amen. You're a mama's and boy. I am a mama's boy. You go uh, out there, you go out there, and she makes you popcorn and stuff, right? She, she's <laughs> the best. She's the best. Study the Bible together. You know, there was a point in my life where uh, after my dad's suicide that uh, I, I wasn't, she needed me. I wasn't there for her. And, uh, you know, she, uh, 
Yeah, I'm a mama's boy. What a sweet lady, though. <laughs> she is. She never gave up she on you. She is. And uh, so your relationships have been restored to your family is the point, right? Yes. Yes. So now you're 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 overseeing the property there. You're you're you know you go get chicken and food for us. You do deliveries. You take guys to court. Uh, one thing I appreciate about you, Mike, and I tell you this all the time. Uh, publicly, I'll say it any day of the week, but you have a I get to attitude and not a I have to attitude. I mean, you're here today and you had to leave a courthouse an hour away, one of our guys in court, to come to this and we had to send somebody to go get him, you know. But you're always, you know, and you get excited about it. You know, you get to do this for a living. Like, this is your life. So let's talk about your transition. Not only are you a church member, but but you're also a, a deacon and an el- now you're an elder in the church. Right, I'm a deacon. You're a deacon. Yeah, deacon. You're a deacon yep. in the church. So, you you become a deacon. Uh, you know, you're you're trusted. Um, so tell tell us just you know, as you get involved in church, uh, you're in the Freeway Ministry Program, and the director of Freeway Marshfield, Mike Costello, who also came through the program. Now he's in Rapid City, South Dakota, preaching there at Freeway Rapid City. So now you. Uh, you feel called to preach, right? Tell us about how that transition happens. You become the director of a freeway. You're Pastor Mike. Well, probably one of the most uh, powerful and, and answered prayers that that uh, I've ever prayed is uh, God use me, you know. And I made a a uh, habit of praying that uh, on a daily basis. I just want uh, to be. Uh, available uh you know i don't and god will open doors if if you pray if you ask god to use you he's gonna he, he will answer those prayers and and so god started opening doors for me uh he opened the door for me to come back to the ranch and uh one of the most things one of the things that i cherish about working ba- out there at the ranch the most is getting to take these guys to court and uh the new guys when they come in uh most of the time they won't have IDs. They're coming straight out of prison and jail and they won't have IDs or birth certificates or social security cards. And so I'm the one that gets to spend the first few days of the, uh, with them there at the ranch. Uh, they're brand new. So this first week in the program, I get to ride around with them back and forth to Springfield, back and forth to court. And so I get to talk to them and I get to pour into them and I get to, uh, encourage them. And, uh, that, that, to me, is the most valuable part of the job is just getting to know these guys, just getting to encourage them, just getting to let them know that, hey, I've been where you're at right now, and believe me, uh, it's going to get better. And it's – it's uh, so, yeah, I love that part of the job. So you're building sermons. You're preaching the gospel. Uh, you graduated our Timothy Project. Um, so all these things that happened in your life, what's it like being in full-time ministry, Mike? It's uh, sometimes I feel like I need to pinch myself, you know, is this really going on? Uh, You know, I was so discontent in my addiction. I was so unhappy and just so uncomfortable everywhere I went. You know, I was never in the right place. Uh, I was always just uh, discontent. And now today uh, I'm content. You know, I I have a feeling of contentness, you know, and God is opening doors for me, uh, like I said, uh, at a, at a rapid pace. And, uh, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, uh, it's been scary. Uh, whenever I was asked to preach, uh, 
I wanted to recant on the, you know, I wanted to say, <laughs> okay, God, hang on a second. I, I want you to use me, but I'm not so sure I want to do that. You know, I grew up, I was a pretty much an antisocial person. I didn't like people and, uh, I never was the type of person to get up in front of a group of people and speak. And, uh, and so God was calling me to preach. Uh, I had, I was, I was fortunate enough to have people like Mike Estelle and you, uh, uh, allowing me to go through the Timothy project and, and build sermons and pre get prepared to preach. And then I had Mike Estelle telling me, Hey, get something together. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a chance to get up there and preach. And so it was just frightening, but, uh, I knew that, uh, I didn't want to just stand there and just look through the door, you know, that God had opened for me and not go through it. You know, I, I was, I, I knew that, uh, I didn't want, uh, that door to shut. And so, I, I take every opportunity, every opportunity that comes my way to serve today. Yeah, Amen. So, uh, you know, we are running out of time. I know that for sure. Um, but just a few questions. If you can give me a minute or two to answer on these questions, I have to ask them. I just feel like I have to ask these questions. So, what is a week like for you? A week is, uh, you know, I get up out there at the ranch. I get to. Uh, you know, I, I, I get up uh, and I'm eager to get in my Bible. Uh, I put on a pot of coffee, you know, and, and I get into my Bible. And, and uh, my kitchen window where I sit at my table uh, faces the lake uh, out there at the ranch. And so uh, I'm looking across uh, just this lush green backyard with these trees and this lake. And uh, that's, that's where I get to sit and do my Bible study. And so... I do my Bible studies in the morning, and then from that point, I'll, I'll check my, uh, my uh, Cycle Breaker app uh, just to make sure that nobody has to be to court that day. Uh, I'll kind of just run through and, and, you know, is there someone I need to take to town today? Is, is, you know, and then, uh, you know, I have this new director of freeway job, and it's my, uh, it's my job to, uh, to plan outreach. Uh, and to uh, just introduce, you know, just make sure people in our community know who Freeway Ministries is. And so uh, I'm, I'm going through some training on that. I've never been big on planning and uh, organizing, but I'm getting better. And I have people that are rallying around me and helping me uh, in doing that. And so it's just, uh, you know, full-time ministry is, it's, it's, it's really a, a it's really, I feel like I'm kind of cheating sometimes, you know, it's not really like, like working when you get to do something that you love doing, you know, when you're so blessed uh, uh, to get to serve. Amen, brother. And so did you ever think that your life could be like this? No, absolutely not. I had pretty much uh, given in to the, the, what everyone around me was telling me, especially the, you know, the judge, the POs, the prosecuting attorneys, they all rolled their eyes when I would walk in the courtroom you know, and they're like, man, this guy's been doing this for how many years? Uh, he's never going to change. He's hopeless. And I believed that. I believed that I was going to die hopeless and high. So. Are you happy? I'm happy today. You know, I'm happy that uh, my mom doesn't have to wonder whether or not I'm laying somewhere dead or OD'd. Or I'm happy that my sister doesn't have to cry her eyes out wondering where I'm at. And I'm happy that I can call my son anytime today and. Yeah, I'm, I'm just happy. So tell us where we can come here. You preach at, brother. Uh, you can come to Marshfield, Missouri, to Crossbridge Baptist Church on Saturday nights. We have a meal at 530, and then uh, we have a service at 6 o'clock.
Okay, you gonna be bringing the heat if we come listen? You know, uh, they uh, are having a little bit of mercy on me, and they're giving me <laughs> they're giving me two weeks to prepare a sermon in which I I use. Uh, you know, they, I'm working towards preaching every week, but right now I uh, I do everything I can to give another person an opportunity to get up there and preach, and and I'm excited that uh, uh, you know I did the same thing Mike Excel did to me to Kyle Grosinger here recently, and you know, I just approached him and asked him if, if that was something that he would be interested in doing and, and that I would, uh, you know, I, I would want to give him that opportunity if, if that was uh, that was something he was interested in. And so I checked with the, uh, with the elders of the church, and we talked about it, and they talked about it, and, and he's going to he's, – he's working something up right now. So I just love being able to give other people the opportunity to get up there and, and grow. Amen. Uh, well, I appreciate you being on here with us today. You're a blessing, Mike, and God's using you, and I'm proud of you. And I know your mom is too, and your sisters, and you're making a dent for the Lord, brother. I, I, I'm more than grateful for the opportunity to be here and to and to uh, just to testify how good God is. And it's it's not me. I, I failed uh, repeatedly in my life, and. It's it's God working in my life today, so I can't really take much credit for what's going on. So, Amen. Well, you got to come to that place of brokenness, and God brought you from that that one broken life here today, is Mike Estelle. And and if you enjoyed this today, uh, would you share this podcast? Uh, you can share it on Facebook. You can share it on YouTube. Uh, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple. Um, you can go if you want to get behind us and support us. You can go to freeway-ministries.com. And you can begin to support us monthly um, as we reach one broken life at a time. My name is John Stroop, and I'm so excited to have you guys join us next time. Uh, share this with somebody who's struggling. Uh, if you're around Marshfield or in Missouri, you can come uh, listen to Mike. You can listen to Mike Estelle at Crossbridge Baptist Church on Saturdays. Dinner's at 530. Services at 6 o'clock. And uh, so we'll see you next time on One Broken Life. Thank you. See what I mean? It's almost 3 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>